This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. And welcome back to an episode of the Clear Jets podcast where it's Ben Blessington and Michael Nania. Michael, this is our last podcast before free agency kicks off. We're recording this Saturday night. We got a ton of great mailbag questions. Excited to hop into this, but first, how are you feeling just under 48 hours away from free agency kicking off? I'm doing really good. And, you know, even though we're still two days away from the official start of free agency, it kind of feels like that it, the, all the action has started already. I mean, so many targets that we talked about for the Jets are already off the board. Amari Cooper, obviously, being the most notable one uh, with a trade to the Browns today. Um, Chris Godwin, Calvin Ridley, Devontae Adams, Dalton Schultz, David Njoku. So many guys are off the board already. So uh, it really feels like that the, the drama has already started and that once free agency opens, there's going to be a lot of um, Jets fans are going to be eager for things to happen with how many names we've already missed out on. So um, it's it's going to be a stressful, but also exciting time. And I'm looking forward to it. Yeah, every year free agency starts the exact same way. It hits noon on the deadline. I put out that uh, that Joker gift from the Dark Knight where he goes, here we go, whatever, right right when it kicks off every year. It's a tradition. Um, and then about 30 minutes after that, uh, people start you know wanting to fire the GM. It's, it's 1230 is when the, the Douglas firing calls happen. Uh, no matter how the day or the rest of the week will turn up, I guarantee you there will be a boatload of angry Jets fans Monday. And hell, maybe even in Monday night or Tuesday morning. Um, because like you said, a lot of the actions already happened. I think also a lot of the excitement of the off season actually gets done this year, at least has been done with the trades. I mean, already with, with Russell Wilson, and then they just sent Amari Cooper, to the Browns, uh, the, the news with Rogers going back to green Bay, like a lot of the big pieces have, have already moved. I obviously there's still Deshaun Watson out there now that his situation is cleared up a little bit. Um, so he's a big player, but outside of that, I don't really feel like, as opt not optimistic i don't feel as excited for free agency maybe as i as i normally do because i just don't i don't think this is the the year where the jets are going to go out and sign a big name free agent i i still think they're going to be active don't get me wrong the jets are going to be active they're going to sign a lot of players next week it's going to be a good time but i don't think they're going to sign that one you know big name where you get like Le'Veon bell a great example when Le'Veon bell signed mike i don't remember your exact reaction to it but jets twitter was on fire for like an hour and yeah. it felt like we won a playoff yeah. game. And then he ended up sucking. So a lot of times those big free agents aren't necessarily even what they're billed to be. Um, we'll address this in the mailbag. Um, but I think, I think the, my prediction for this week is that Jets fans might be a little unhappy at first, but I think by the end of it, uh, they're going to recognize that Douglas made a lot of really good moves and made this football team a lot better. Um, 
we had a podcast earlier in the week where we went through some targets. A lot of the same guys are going to come up and any last thoughts, but um, I guess we'll just hop right into it um, from at Devin Jad. He says, does anyone believe Douglas is going to spend money or is it business as usual? I, I'd like this is a fitting opening question, Michael. Um, there was a lot of talk on the, the Twitter timeline we're, the Saturday, Saturday about the Jets cap situation. Uh, I know you were kind of talking about it a little bit as how it's a little bit less than some are perceiving the beat writers talking about that. Then you have a whole segment of the fan base. It's like, you know, half the league is playing like cap space isn't real. Why are the jets who are, I think they have like the fourth most cap space before cuts, you know, why is it so strict for them? And can, how aggressive do you think Douglas will be with this money and maybe lay out the, the amount of money that they actually have to spend and how they have to divvy that up with all the holes that they have. Yeah, what's what's really interesting this year, and we were talking about this before we started, but it feels like the entire league is in a worse cap situation than in previous years. Um, like the Jets, for example, have you know, about forty eight million in cap space, not including what they have to give to the rookie class, but that's top five in the league right now. Whereas last year they're way ahead of that at about seventy million at this point, um, and they're in about the same place. Um, and then there are so many teams in the league that are way over the cap right now there are teams that only have a small bit of positive cap space so it i'm interested to see if you know how the deals on the open market are going to uh sort of go along with the cap situations that these teams are in because there there aren't a lot of teams in awesome positions cap wise compared to last year and previous years um and then the jets like i was thinking about this earlier but i think i've definitely done it a little bit i think some jets fans are not everyone but kind of have too high expectations in terms of how like you said the big signings in terms of how many of those they'll be able to make because you know million raw cap space but they have to keep at least 13 million open to sign their rookie class you know they have two top 10 picks two high second round picks um and then beyond that they're gonna resign quite a few guys too already got joiner mcdermott parks flacco pop uh, probably coming potentially LDT, uh, Elijah Riley on uh, the exclusive rights deal, Mike White. So there's a, that 48 million is a misleading number. And they're maybe going to be operating in that 25 million range before any cuts. So um, I, I do, I agree with your approach. I think they are going to be aggressive, but just not in a splashy way. I think it's going to be aggressive in the sense that they're going to fill a lot of holes, give themselves the flexibility to, operate freely in the draft where they don't have to use the draft to fill holes. Uh, and I think that's going to be the main approach. I think we'll see one big free agent, like an eight figure sort of guy, whether that's at guard guard or safety, I think is where that's going to be. But outside of that, I think it's going to be a lot of hole plugging and, and that can be good. Um, I was looking at last year's teams uh, cap space at this point and the closest team in cap space of the jets right now, last year was the, Bengals with 43 million uh they made their one splash signing with trey hendrickson that worked great uh in addition other than that though there weren't a ton of splashes they got four mid-tier guys uh, a couple corners defensive tackle ogan joby um uh, and an offensive lineman riley reef uh and outside of those four plus hendrickson no one signed for more than two million per year it was just you know filling out the roster depth backups those types of players and it worked out pretty good for them. So um, I, I think that's the type of free agency we're going to see one splash uh, and we are going to see aggression, but it's just going to be uh, filling out the roster, not necessarily uh, going big fish hunting. Exactly. I think I, 
if, if Joe Douglas does absolutely nothing and uh, you know, the first 24 and 48 hours of free agency, I would understand why Jets fans are going to get angry, but I don't think that's going to be the case. I think, is he going to go sign a JC Jackson and fork over $20 million? Probably not. A guy like Marcus Williams, who the Jets have been linked to, do I see him shelling out 15 million or more for safety? No. Um, so a lot of the big guys, and then it's like, you look at the receiver market at this point, Allen Robinson's the top guy available. And I think they'll sniff around Robinson, but if you're Allen Robinson, you went from Blake Bortles to Mitch Trubisky to a rookie quarterback last year. Are you going to go hit your wagon to Zach Wilson? Like, no, Allen Robinson's not going to sign with the Jets unless they overpay him. And I don't see the Jets doing that. If we've learned one thing from Douglas's two free agencies is that he draws his line in the sand. That doesn't mean he won't, he won't sign good players or give them good money. Like you saw with Carl Lawson or, or Corey Davis last year, but he's not going to overpay for guys. Um, so I, I, I guess the, the point of this is just to be, uh, stay off Twitter maybe a little bit. I think you're going to see a lot of negativity about the Jets this next week at the, on Monday, and I just don't think it's warranted because Douglas isn't going to go out there and, and take a big swing on a guy like J.C. Jackson, uh, or I guess Amari Cooper was today, the, the example that got a lot of yeah. Jets fans riled up. Doesn't mean that they're not going to be active. I mean, the core of this offseason is going to be the draft picks. I mean, if you, Michael and I were looking at the A.V., for I don't know this is the first question we're gonna spend ten minutes on it, but the uh, we were looking at the AV for the uh, what is that called? What, what is AV short for again? It's like approximate uh, value. Approximate value. I was trying to say estimated, and I was like that doesn't that doesn't make sense. But for the 2019 <laughs> draft classes, like just ranking them, and of course the Jets 2019 class, McCagnan's last class was like tied for 29th or whatever. Um, but you look at the best draft classes, and it's like two, three hits out of all the picks. And so when you look at the Jets draft class last year, you put into perspective how much of a, how big of a deal that draft class was for the Jets. And they have even more capital this year. So the, the crux of this offseason and whether or not the Jets improve a, a lot next year is going to come down to the draft. Free agency, I, I hope they sign uh, you know four or five starters. They bring good players, add some veterans, make the team better. But then I don't see them making a big splash. And I, honestly, I don't really see that player in the market outside of uh, of JC Jackson. Um, let's keep moving. I'm sure some of the other stuff we want to talk about will will come up here. From at Sports Fiend, the goat. Everybody knows. Uh, how important do you think it is for notable players in the squad to help recruit free agents to come to the Jets? What do you think should lead that? Who do you think should lead that charge this offseason and why? Um, I think. I mean, every t- we said Jamal Adams recruiting players for years, and, and honestly, I mean, I guess 2019 they got they got Bell and Mosley, but um, yes, it matters. I think spreading the word that the Jets are different and that Robert Sala is who you know I'm not in the locker room, so I don't want to say who I think Robert Sala is, but it sounds like he's received some glowing reviews. I think that is important um, because the perception of the Jets, Jets, the league wide, is that they've been a dumpster fire for a decade and um, that they're a losing franchise and that they're picking fourth in the draft this year. Um, so yeah, that is going to be big, but is it going to make the, the biggest difference? No. I mean, players are going to sign where the money is. And so if the jets want a guy, they're going to have to pay for him. Um, but Michael, I mean, first your thoughts on that. And then second, who do you think is the the best recruiter on this team or who is the, the person that should lead that recruiting charge? I, I agree with you. I think it's important to an extent. I think there's a lot of recruiting that goes on behind the scenes that we don't hear about because obviously all we react to is, the tweets and the liking posts and everything, the stuff that's public, but I'm sure there's a lot, a lot of behind the scenes action that contributes to some of the movement that goes on. So I think it's important to an extent, but like you said, it's, it's about the money at the end of the day. So that's, what's most important. Um, and, but I think another important thing to Jets right now is 
it, it definitely does matter to have a good perception um, aside from recruiting, you know, just being a good stable organization. And I think that's something that the Jets do have better than previous years, even though they are a four win team, I think they have a better reputation and a better Absolutely. culture than they have in past seasons. And that's something that, you know, with Tyron Matthew, um, you know, he's a great culture changing guy, great leader and everything. And I've seen people say like the Jets need that type of guy. I, I don't think they really do need that type of guy right now. I think if this were 2019 last year, then you definitely could say, yeah, they need that type of guy. But I don't think the Jets really need that anymore. I feel like it's just about talent right now. I feel like they've kind of solved well, that aspect of things. I, I, and, I, and winning does come with no, that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I think but, that... Um, yeah, go ahead. I, well, I think they're always Solid and Doug has made it clear that they're always going to prioritize character, and that's where they're going to get their locker room right. culture. So it's like one guy that I I, I get what you're, exactly what you're saying. It's like they don't need a culture changer; they're changing right. the culture with the entire locker room. And we agree on Matthew completely. Uh, he's he's a good player, but he's he is past his prime. Uh, he's a mildly overrated. It's a non-premium position. He's going to get paid a ton. It's like. That, that is not a signing that I mean, look, if he gets, if he gets signed, he, he would get the fan base kind of energized. He's a big name, but like you said, it's, it's very uh, McCagnan esque. Yeah. So I think they're, they're in a good spot reputation wise. How much does that help? You know, is that more talk than actual impact? You no, know, probably to an extent, but I think they're in a good spot there. Um, and you couple out their cap space and they should be able to make some, you know, make the moves they want to make and players won't actively avoid them um, in terms of, of who would lead the recruiting charge i feel like you want your quarterback to be at the front of that at uh, least with offensive players well, yeah but but I mean, zach wilson isn't i mean not that i actively want him to do that but, but no but zach wilson you know, is is a i mean he's gonna maybe he's michael biggest, carter yeah, I, michael carter you're missing you're missing the boat you're missing the, those guys have a rookie i mean they're going to their second year like yeah. zach wilson michael carter like they have some connections no 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 the guy who who could re- First of all, guys who are in the open market, veterans, the guys who are 26, 27, older, the guys who have been in the league for four or five, six years. So they're not going to listen to a one or two, you know, rookie player or second year player, their opinion about the team. A guy like, like, no, it doesn't. Yes. You're hitching your wagon to though. Yeah. You do want to be, you know, convinced by him. Yeah. But we're talking recruiter. Like, I think CJ Mosley, like that's the type of guy that if CJ Mosley talks to you about how this culture's changed or whatever, like I think he had, he alluded to that earlier in the offseason, how he was gonna do his job to recruit some guys. Like that is the type of guy who could maybe change the mind of a few free agents. Yes, is it important for your for a free agent wide receiver to have some good chemistry with your quarterback? But let's be honest, these guys are making their decisions on money and where can they win and put them in the best position. And then like references is down the list. Um, but uh, no, CJ Mosley is like the, I mean, there's probably a few other veterans that I'm not thinking, but I, I mean, I agree with you. I was just trying to go a different direction. Zach Wilson, Zach Wilson, if he has a good, once he has a good year, like once he has a good year and he's an established quarterback, then you're absolutely right. But until that, it doesn't matter. I mean, it could, it could be Mike white, you know, to, clamoring for these guys he, in, in free agents minds. It's like Zach Wilson hasn't done anything to, to deserve, um, that reference. We do have another one from at sports underscore fiend. Um, he says, what would you trade for DK Metcalf to be our number one wide receiver in, in our offense? Uh, also, since he has one year left on his rookie deal, what long-term contract would you like to uh, structure to secure him for the future? All right, we're getting, we're getting ahead of our skis here a little bit. Um, <clears throat> then the next question is also about DK. Um, we'll answer that one mildly separate. We'll answer that one separately, but 
I tweeted this earlier. I think Michael, you addressed it also on, on Twitter. The Seahawks are not trading DK Metcalf. I think, and put it this way, there's maybe a, I'll say a less than 5% chance that they trade him. There's a less than 0% chance that John Schneider's ringing up Joe Douglas and trading him to, to New York. There's no, John Schneider still has nightmares about Joe Douglas over that Jamal Adams trade. DK Metcalf is not going to be a jet. If he is, I will love to eat, you know, humble pie on this one. Absolutely. But it's not going to happen. Every year Jets fans do this. They get themselves hyped up for some pipe dream and it's just not going to happen. The Jets, if they were going to make a big splash before the draft in, in free agency or the trade market, Amari Cooper was maybe more realistic than DK Metcalf because the Cowboys were shopping him and then obviously he got traded. But DK, first of all, the Seahawks have contract control over him for this year. They have a couple of franchise tags. They're obviously going to try to work out a long-term deal. If DK causes a big stink and tries to hold out and request a trade, then maybe they deal him. But unless the Jets drastically overpay, I just don't see it. Um, but what would I give up? I'd give up 10 for DK. What about you? Yeah, I, I agree with everything you said. I don't, I mean, I've kind of pushed it a little bit just because it's fun to talk about, but it, yeah, you, it's did, not you did it for the likes. Come on. Let's be honest now. Yeah. I mean, just like everyone <laughs> posts an anti Jamal Adams suites. Like, you know, I, I just want to get some likes right now. Yeah. I want to feel good about myself. Jamal Adams sucks. Here's a thousand likes. Yeah. Um, no, you know, low hanging <laughs> fruit, fruit Seahawks, Jamal Adams joke. Here's 10,000 front page of Reddit, but I digress. Um, anyway, with DK Metcalf, um, yeah, I don't think it's going to happen. If, if you're a rebuilding team, you have a 24-year-old receiver who you can sign to a multi-year deal, and he'll still be in his prime by the time ready to compete. He can help the quarterback that you're going to try to develop. I highly doubt he gets traded. But if the Jets were to trade for him, I'd probably do a 10. I mean, I uh, the, think, the I, 10th I, overall pick. Have yeah, you have you seen any rumblings of him being on the trade market outside of no Jets fans? Nothing legitimate. Yeah, like, like no. he's not getting traded unless he causes a big stink, and then even then, I don't see the Jets doing it. Um, or I don't see the Seahawks trading it with the Jets. I'm sure the Jets would love DK Metcalf and absolutely be interested in him. But you guys have to remember, he's 24 years old, and he is legitimately one of the best receivers in the NFL. I, I love DK Metcalf. It's, it's not going to happen though. Uh, and then our, our guy at doggy boy four, like I said that Michael, uh, I re I rephrase uh, because he had, <laughs> he had submitted one about Amari Cooper for this exact same question. And then Cooper got traded like 90 seconds later. He said, I rephrase trade for DK or draft Garrett Wilson with 10th overall. And then I put out the anti DK tweet. And I think our, our guy doggy boy thought I was, I was adding him, but I wasn't, that was, we've been talking, Michael and I've been talking about how DK is not going to be a Jeff for a while, but um would I rather trade for DK or draft Garrett Wilson? I would rather trade for DK. What's more likely drafting Garrett Wilson at 10. Um, but there's a part of me, Michael, and this kind of opens up. This is a free agency podcast podcast. So I don't want to get too into the draft, but if they don't address receiver at free agency, at least substantially, I mean, they could go after, you know, a mid tier guy like a Russell gauge or somebody like that. Um, I guess they could go after Christian Kirk and try to pencil him in as a starter, but likely they're going to go after a mid guy in free agency. Um, do you think the jets are forced into using a pick on receiver in the first two days? I mean, they have to, they have to take one on, on uh, you know, in round two, if they don't sign one in free agency. So, uh, and some people will be mad if they don't take one in round one, especially since the modus operandi this offseason has been help your rookie quarterbacks around them with talent. Um, so if they do what we expect them to do this week and don't go and sign a big price for agent receiver, which I don't really think there is a can't miss guy anyways. 
or trade for a guy that we're not talking about. Um, do you think it's a receiver at 10? Um, or do you think that receiver in the second round or like what, what is the planet receiver? If you're going to try to surround Zach with as much talent as possible. Yeah. This is where it gets really interesting because I feel like our plan all along was, you know, make that all in move, get a, a wide receiver, one, a Cooper, Godwin, Ridley, Metcalf, whatever. Um, but obviously now that's seeing, seeming very unrealistic. And they're just going to have to pick from a wide receiver pool for agency. That is, you know, it's a, it's a good class of free agent wide receivers. There are no surefire stars left, but there are a lot of good solid players. But from a Jets perspective, do you want to invest in one of those mid-tier guys and, you know, use a big chunk of chunk of cap space on that? Um, and then maybe, you know, take yourself out of play for taking a wide receiver high in the draft. It's interesting to think about how they might approach it now. But I think for me, the conclusion that I've sort of come to is that it's about certainty right now with Zach Wilson. You have to help this guy. You have to help him as much as you can. And you can't afford to bank on the draft to do that. Obviously, the ceiling is higher and the cap situation is higher or is, is better if you rely on the draft to fill that hole at receiver, but the floor is also much, much lower. There's a very good chance that even at 10, no matter who the prospect is that you like, whether it's London, Wilson, Burks, whoever, just based on history, the odds that that guy's going to come in and be a good player for you in year one are very low. And those are just the facts. I don't so, know about very low. I know what you're uh, saying. It's about certainty. And sorry, they definitely are. They definitely are. Just go ahead. <laughs> go ahead but i'm wrong but the, no, no i know what you're saying I, statistically speaking well first of all the, the if you look at the last few draft classes um obviously they've been amazing this draft class at receiver is very good but i'm willing to bet that there will be there will be multiple year one contributors in this class so obviously you know the guy you draft the chances that he um is an instant success uh, is low it's not like it's improbable. Like how many, how many rookie how many receivers do you think will have a substantial impact to your one out of this class? I, I'm saying at least, what, at least what, three. What entails? What entails starter, that? starter level, starter level. Uh, I mean, uh, I'm trying to think a statistic. A lot yards? of it comes down to the quarterback. Put, I mean, I don't know. What do you think? Over 800. Oh, yeah. Over 700 yards. I don't know. 750 yards. Something like that. Uh, three, three or four. Yeah. So it's not impossible, and I, I don't know. Is there a guy in free agency? It's definitely not impossible. It, but, well, like, I mean, that's just the point. Like, do you well, want and, to and, and you look at the success? To... Sorry, I, I, we're having some connection stuff. But it, And you look at the success of the, the young rookie receivers the last few years. It's like it does show you that it can be done. I know what you're saying. I think everybody would have liked to have walked away with this offseason with their own Stephon Diggs who, by the way, Josh Allen didn't get until year three. Um, but I, I do understand that there's a sense of urgency to surround your young quarterback with talent so he can develop and also so we can evaluate him because that was a big problem with Darnold is that half the time it felt like we couldn't evaluate him because he had nothing around him. Um, I, I get what you're saying, but I, I, I'm i more bullish on, even if they draft, even if they don't draft a receiver at four or a 10 and they get one at 35, if they draft Christian Watson or or Pickens, or somebody who falls, or whatever. It, Traylon, look, Traylon Burks had a bad 40. It's possible he could fall to 35. You never know on draft day. And you land one of those guys, and you're walking out of there with Corey Davis. Let's just, let's use, uh, let's, who, who do you want to use? We'll use Christian Watson. He's probably the most realistic guy at 35. You're walking out of there, Corey Davis, Christian Watson, Elijah Moore is your three receivers. It's like, 
and you and you address tight end is it amazing no but it's still good and it has a high ceiling like you said and this is an offense that wants to be more 12 personnel like i don't know i'm not as well what i was getting into is that i think that you can you know sign mid-tier guy russell gage or um cedric wilson dj chark someone like that i think you can do that and get some of that certainty an instant impact and i think that doesn't take you out of play for drafting receiver in the first round if you want to they can escape Corey davis next year um injuries happen lack of development happens we don't hopefully elijah moore is great but you don't know so i think you could still you know sign a receiver and draft one of the top 10 that's going all in for your quarterback so uh, so i think that's really the point i was getting so do you you think i think you still should dip into this market so do you think that they have, well, I agree with you fully, I guess I was angling more towards the draft. Do you think that they have to draft receiver at 10? I, uh, I don't think, I don't think you could ever draft with that mentality. Yeah. I don't. Uh, yeah. It's just that that's where it comes to for me. Um, I mean, I think I agree with you that with four picks in the top 40, they definitely should get one, at least one, well, not at least one, but just get one with one of those four picks. But I don't think it has to be forced at 10. I think that's why it's important to sign one in free agency. So you don't feel as forced to do that. Yeah. I think, I think what you're saying, especially with the, the freedom about Corey Davis's contract where they can't get out of it next year. I mean, you could give a sizable contract to, if you want to go after a guy like Christian Kirk or somebody like that, and then just cut whoever you don't like. But I I think you're right. I think they go after a guy like a Russell gauge. And then I think, but I, I think they probably go receiver day two, uh, 35 or 38. I'm not saying they won't do it at 10, but I'm just saying I don't think it's a, a for sure lock that they'll take a receiver at 10, which might be the wrong path, but it's just my feeling about uh, about things. I don't think receiver is as big of a need as people think it is. I will say, though, the depth is horrendous. It's like you go Corey Davis, um, Elijah Moore, and then it's like DJ Montgomery. <laughs> and Denzel Mims and Tariq Black. And it's like, they, so they need to beef up this position. It's certainly a need, um, but I, it's certainly improved over the last few years to the point where it's like, all right, you bring in one high-valued rookie and you add him to this group and you build up the depth. And I'm feeling good about the receiver spot. I'm not, you know, I'm not as down on it maybe as other people are. But yes, I would have loved um, to have, you know, have our own Stefan Diggs this offseason. I think this is a great segue into the next question from Force and Wright. He says three moves in parentheses draft for agency or trade that help Zach slash the offense the most. What are the most crucial moves to set him up for success? Uh, Michael, I've talked a lot. What what are the three moves in your mind that would help Zach in the offense the most that, that the Jets could do uh, over the next few months? All right. So I guess now we're in a better position to answer this. Now that things have played out a little bit, the dust has settled and we kind of know what we're dealing with going into next week, who's available, who's not. Right. So I think for me, I'm going to go back to what I was just talking about. I think you should dip into this mid-tier receiver market, get a good solid guy to round out this trio. And, Who is that guy? And, and I'm, I'll, I'll get to it. And then, you know, <laughs> sign that guy. And you still have the flexibility to draft someone wherever you feel like you have the value. So I think that I, I like Russell Gage. I think yeah. he makes sense around the South. And I know nobody wants to hear that because you had dreams of Godwin, Adams, whoever it may be. You don't want to hear about Russell Gage, but he brings – a lot to the table that I think helps him out. He's a consistent guy. You were telling me that he was reliable for your fantasy <laughs> team. So that's good enough. He was, for me. he was, he was a beast in fantasy. He was consistently um, giving me some, temp but yeah, no, he's improved every single year of his career. 
uh, just had a career high in receiving yards per game at about 55, which is what you want, you know, your third receiver. Um, He's really good at beating man coverage at some of the best man numbers in the league last year. I mean, he was up in in terms of his yards per route run, uh, creating targets against man. He was up there with Cooper Cup, AJ Brown, DJ, uh, DK Metcalf. Um, and man beating man coverage is important because it's not something that Corey Davis is great at. And it's other than Elijah Moore, they don't really have anyone who could do it. So that's something that Gage does well. Uh, he had an underrated season for that uh, Falcons last year. Uh, so I think he's a good guy to round that out, give you some security and improvement going to the draft. Um, then I think you look to the tight end position. Uh, actually, no, forget tight end for now. Right guard. I think you have to make a free agent move. Um, and just like receiver, you know, plug that hole, give yourself security going to the draft. And I think there are a lot of free agent guards that would be an upgrade over what they had last year and are, are just flat out really good players and can complete a good offensive line. So I think you start with Blake and Tomlinson and James Daniels. If you can get one of those two guys that that'd be outstanding, I think, uh, to complete this offensive line. So Russell Gage, one of those two guards, Tomlinson and Daniels, and then you go to the draft and I think um that ideally you draft uh a tight end with one of those two second round picks hopefully trey mcbride Uh, i think that's a really good dream trio at this point um to round it out so if i had to pick specific guys let's say russell gage i'm gonna lean towards lakin tomlinson at guard uh, and trey mcbride i think that'd be a good trio and then, and then just because I know everybody's getting down on what the Jets are doing to surround Zach Wilson, because I think you just, you laid out a great plan. You go Russell Gage, you get a guard in free agency, you draft Trey McBride. And then let's say you take uh, George Pickens, Christian Watson, a receiver who falls, whatever. Right. I feel like that's a, and, and you probably sign a tight end too. Let's say Hayden Hurst. It's like, that's, it's kind of how I see the offense looking and we'll see how it turns out. I'm happy with that. I'm happy. You, you know, I still feel like that's enough to evaluate Zach Wilson, especially on the offensive line. Um, I don't actually, I think the, there's a question about the guards later. So I'll, I'll hold off on that. Um, I, I, I pretty much agree with exactly with that, everything you said there. Uh, I like McBride a lot. If he's gone, I still think there's a, a lot of good tight ends in the draft. So it's not a, a must. I do think that they have to address that position in both free agency and the draft. That is why it's like, they have to get a Hayden Hurst or an Uzama or a Max Williams. They have to do something in free agency. And then, yeah, you turn to the draft and it's like McBride or Ruckert or Likely or whoever, you know, Weidemeyer, whoever it is. Um, I think that is huge. Upgrading that tight end spot is going to be huge for Zach. Um, and I agree. I think they're going to sign a guard. Uh, I think they're going to sign a guard Monday or Tuesday. There's a lot of good ones. Um, we'll get to the guard position and a few more questions because I have, I think that's a, a good position to talk about because um, I'm pretty confident they're going to make a move there. Um, all right, let's, let's move on. Um, I think, I think you did a good job of answering that one uh, for Matt New Year. Actually, actually, let me take a step back here. I, this is not listed. And I was just thinking of it when you were answering the question and I want to ask it before I forget. So let's just say this one's from at Ben Blessington for you, Michael. Um, what's the worst um, or what are some of the, the worst moves that, that Douglas could make in your mind? Uh, not just about Zach, but just in general uh, in free agency next week. I mean, cause we know like what we want pipe dreams of Douglas to do, but is there an Adam Schefter notification you could get on your phone that would make your heart sink and, you know, negatively? Um, are there any signings that you would be really upset about or overpays or <clears throat> I know you're not, a, yeah, I know you're not a big Braxton Berrios fan, but um, right. <laughs> So, so what are, what are some of the bad moves that, that Douglas could make? Um, and so if, if any of these happen, we'll know that Michael isn't happy. 
Okay, so I'll I'll definitely pick a few and I'll be honest and I'll try to stick to it if it does happen. I'll, I'll okay. find the optimism like I always do, but here are my unbiased concerns at this moment. These things haven't happened yet. Um, so so let's go. Here are a few. Number one comes to mind: Tyron Matthew. I wouldn't be a huge fan of that to say the least. Um, I think you know thirty plus safety. I think you look at his advanced numbers; they're really not nearly as impressive as you would think with his Pro Bowls and everything. All he's really good at is interceptions. And even those you look at, I saw somewhere, you know, a guy drops a ball off his chest, bounces into his hands. He's just standing there. Lamar Jackson throws to him, stuff like that. I'm not impressed enough to sign a 30 plus safety um, for 14, 15 million a year. Agreed. Um, so I'd not be a huge fan of that one. Um, you brought up Braxton Barrios. I think I, I would like to see him back, but there are numbers to where he comes back that would make that would kind of make me cringe a little bit if it were any seven plus seven plus per year i think i would i I wouldn't love that um but that depends on what else they do at wide receiver if they you know sign russell gage whoever before that and then barrios is your fourth guy that i wouldn't i wouldn't love it too much but if they do sign him to be you know that's your move i guess you want him to be your slot receiver i can understand it but ultimately I'm not too high in barriers. I wouldn't. I wouldn't like a, a huge number for him. I know. You, I know you have another one. I just want to chime in here real quick. Yeah. How would you feel about why well, you kind of answered the question? But I, it is possible that maybe they don't sign a guy like Russell Gage. Maybe they just you know bring back like Keelan Cole or somebody like that. Um, they sign Barrios and then they draft somebody, and then Barrios is your fourth re- receiver. Would you hate that uh, that world? Or you know, if if the Jets are that optimistic about Barrios and they're going to pay him six or seven million a year, he, he has to be you know your third or fourth receiver. You'd think so. Um, yeah, I mean, how do you feel about Barrios being the sole free agent uh, acquisition at receiver if the money is right? Because I know that's the big sticking point for you. Yeah, that that's tough. I mean, again, like I like him, but I feel like we're trying to find guys who really change the game. I feel like Barrios is a good capitalizing player, if you know what I mean. Like he has good speed, good vision, good in the return game, durable, doesn't miss games. Yeah, that sounds um, sounds like changing the game to me, but okay, but. He doesn't really bring. <laughs> he doesn't ha- Listen, he doesn't have a huge <laughs> deep game. He's not great against man coverage. Doesn't really win his routes too often. You know, he's a nice player to have, but I feel like that you have to be doing. If, if that's your only move, you have to be doing a little bit more. Are you ready? That's are you ready for him to to go to Miami or New England and just shit all over the Jets? Because I'm ready. I'm, I've seen this I'm movie ready. <laughs> At least, at the very least, if he leaves, even if he flames out and isn't a good free agent i guarantee you has a good game against the jets i just i feel it i don't know why i don't know why i just feel it he's gonna have one game against the jets or he'll make one touchdown one kickoff return and jets twitter will be on fire but i think you're i think you if i'm being honest i think you underrate barrios a little bit but you're not wrong a lot of the fan base is overrating him and the truth lies somewhere in the middle of of i think your evaluation is probably closer but i think the the language using to describe him is a little I, I think, think it's pretty yeah. fair. I, I think I'm being fair. Well, you're like, you're saying, well, he's just, he's a player who's good at capitalizing. It's like, well, he's a, he is extremely high football IQ. And I, I'm not just saying that it's uh, Sala was talking about his impact on Wilson towards the end of the season in one of his press conferences. And when I was listening to him talk about, you know, Barrios knows not just where he's supposed to line up and all the options on his route. He knows where everybody else is supposed to line up and their responsibilities. And he was able to help Wilson. And, you know, those are the smart, hardworking players that the Jets want to keep. And I think he is. I think he is faster than you're giving him credit for. I think his route running has. Oh, he, he's definitely his hands. Fast. The biggest I, I never thing, said he wasn't fast. He definitely has the long speed. 
Who do you think's faster between him and Moore? That's actually tough. Um, I think I think they're really close. It's I hard think- to pick one. He he does have the long speed. It's just he doesn't really win deep that much, and he, he doesn't make a lot of people miss either the return game or an offense. Like if it's there for you, he will get as much as he possibly can because he has the speed and he has the vision. He'll pick the right hole. We've seen that. It's just like when I need him, I need someone to create something. You know, win on a route. You know, win on a slant, win on a corner or something, or you know, um, on a screen game. If the blocking isn't there, can you make something happen? That's where I don't really think he adds a lot of value, and I think that hurts him. But you know, he does bring a lot. His, to the his hand, I will say, his hands did get uh, did get much better this year. Yeah, definitely, definitely. Um, and and that like, if you're going to be a slot receiver, you have to have reliable hands. And I think he did. That. I think he is a legitimate slot receiver, and he's a guy that I wouldn't be upset about paying six million dollars if it's like, okay, he's you he can be a slot receiver for you, you can do all the gadget stuff. He's an elite returner, but people are forgetting that that Lafleur wants to be maybe not entirely, but. He wants to be a 12 personnel offense. I mean, look at San Francisco. They don't have a super deep receiver room. They obviously have Debo and they have Ayuk and they have, they have good receivers. Don't get me wrong, but a slot receiver in this offense isn't the most, isn't the biggest deal. And it's like, if you're going to pay a guy who's a slot receiver slash receiver for slash special teamer, and you're going to pay him seven or $8 million. I just, I just don't see Joe Douglas doing that. Um, so I think he probably ultimately leaves. And then right. Miami, there's the connection with, you know, the university and Mike McDaniel will use him like LaFleur did. And I don't know. Makes sense. Oh, by the way, though, <laughs> Elijah Moore did run the faster 40. Barrios actually was a lot slower than I thought. He, it said 4-4-4 at the 20 okay. combine. And Moore and, was 4-3-5, I think. So. And I was going to say, I think you said it with, you know, they have Debo Samuel, they have Ayuk, two receivers. That's what I think the goal yeah. is. Um, and, and they can, you know, adjust. LaFleur showed that at the end of last season, he was willing to make it an 11 personnel team because that's what worked. But I don't think that's the long-term vision. Right. Um, so we'll see how they handle it. Wide receiver is easily the most interesting position to watch out of any of them this yeah. offseason. It, oh, it kind of always feels like it is. I mean, quarterback is probably number one, but receiver is just such an exciting um, position. But like you said, I think look at San Francisco with those two receivers. Give me Gage. Give me a rookie in round two. I'm feeling good about this receiver room. I don't. I don't know. I'm not... I don't know. I'm not as down on it as maybe other people are. Let, you know, tweet me. Tell me I'm an idiot. It's okay. Um, from at New York underscore Nick, besides Hutchinson, who's your next two favorite edge rushers, and why does the one ranked higher uh, than the other? Okay, Nick, this is a free agency podcast. Get out of here with this shit. <laughs> and he said, I want to have a wall for Zach and Carter, but wouldn't drafting an O-line in the first three years in a row be kind of ridiculous? Again, free agency podcast. But we'll answer this. Um, besides Hutchinson, who next two favorite edge rushers? I do think they take an edge at four. I know Trayvon Walker has flown up the the uh, a lot of draft boards after his combine. He interviewed well. He seems like that is a Jets type of player. Um, super high ceiling, position of need, high character, high football IQ. Um, so he's flown up the, the rankings. Obviously, they like Jermaine Johnson from the Senior Bowl. He didn't even play, but the practices alone put him in consideration for four. And then obviously there's Kayvon. So one of those three guys, and you, know, you never know about Hutchinson. He could fall too. One of those guys will be a jet in my eyes. Um, and I think it'll be at four. Um, so my next two favorite Ron Hutchinson, I'll probably go. Uh, I'm not going to pretend to have at this point to have watched enough of Trayvon versus Jermaine to make a call. I'll, I'll say, I don't know. I've, I've made that mistake before too many times where it's like, I've watched a, f- a little bit and I'll, I'll make a statement and then I'll watch more of like, okay, wait, I was wrong. So I'm like, I'll, I'll refrain from that. This is a free agency podcast ask that question in like two more weeks when we have enough time michael and i did watch a few we watched a game of trayvon and a game of jermaine 
Jermaine Johnson had a, a few more plays, but you know, that's here and there. I will say the thing about Trayvon though, to, to remember he is on a def- defense in Georgia with a bunch of other NFL players. He's playing on the defensive line with a bunch of other NFL players. He's got a Kobe Dean, the best linebacker in, in college football behind him. You know, some of those stats, not necessarily that he was a stat pad or anything, but you do have to keep, take that into consideration when evaluating is who is he playing alongside? Um, so that's the one thing I guess you could say for, especially for an edge rusher. Um, Cause that type of help really does help. Um, and then he said he wants to have a, a wall in front of Zach. Oh, sorry, Michael, I didn't give you a chance to answer that. Um, who are your two favorite addressers behind Hutchinson? Do you have an answer or are you going to, uh, to pass like me? Uh, I'll, I'll give a shot at answering this again. Let's put out the disclaimer. Um, I still, the majority of my film watching has yet to come, but I feel like I've done enough. It always, it always comes like the week uh, of the draft. I feel like. That's true. But <laughs> I mean, we're going to work harder this year, but I feel like I've looked at enough numbers and at least, you know, a, a, a minimum amount of film to have uh, somewhat of a take, but again, take it with a grain of salt. Um, but for me, I think I, I still like Carl this people kind of stop, to, stop talking about him after I think Johnson usurped him with the senior bowl. Um, but I, I don't see why Carl this still shouldn't be on the board. He had a nice combine with his athleticism numbers, which was supposed to be the question mark for him. But I think he checks the box of what you want opposite Lawson because, you know, Lawson is your speed rusher, not an amazing run defender, but all out pass rusher, good athlete, smaller D end. Uh, Carl Aftis can bring a little bit more size on the other side, but, and, uh, you know, set the edge a little bit better, but still has the athleticism and ability to win as a pass rusher and his numbers as a pass rusher wins pressures, all that stuff is right on par with Hutchinson and, Thib- uh, and Thibodeau. Whereas some of these other guys are not quite in that level. So um, I still like Carl Aftis and Johnson actually is one guy who his numbers are not, they're still very good, but they're not quite as elite as Carl Aftis, Hutchinson, Thibodeau. But um, what he's shown um, these past few months, in the senior bowl, um, his film and uh, the comp, just everything, everything that he's been able to do to improve his stock since the season has ended has been impressive and he's a guy who kind of flew under the radar and what i've seen from him is is pretty impressive i think he has good two-way ability the upside is there the athleticism um so i i like him i think he's definitely in play with either one of either one of those top 10 picks either four or ten so i I like carl leftis and uh and johnson as my next two right now it's it's such in that order carl leftis then johnson Okay. It's, a, it's such a good defensive line class. Um, the Jets are at least going to take two. I mean, an edge and interior in my eyes and, and arguably even more. Um, I think there's a chance all these guys are going to be good. It's really just what type of scheme are you running? And then you, who, who do you, I, I, I've seen kind of both attitudes by Douglas at times. I think 2020, there was a few examples where maybe he took the guy with the higher floor than the higher ceiling. Not all the time, obviously he took Becton and he took Mims, but when we got to day three, it felt like, you know, when they took P Ryan and they took uh, James Morgan and they t- it just some of those picks in the middle, I didn't, I didn't necessarily love, but last year you look at the strategy of, especially when you look at some of the defensive picks, they took a, a guys with high ceilings and super low floors and trust their coaches to develop them. And when you have faith in your coaching staff that they can develop players um, that's huge. So that's why it's like a guy like Trayvon Walker. If you could build a defensive end in a lab, he'd look like him. If he's, if he's interviewing well, if his football IQ is there, obviously he, the film is there. I, I have a weird feeling that Trayvon Walker's a jet, but again, it's, it's too early to really know. 
Um, all right, back-to-back -back questions that are a little repetitive, so we'll fly through these um, from Matt. Not their fault, just you know the, the way the questions got ordered. From Matt, Tom Hind, is the Jermaine Johnson hype real, and can he be in play at four? I definitely think he's in play at four. Uh, I think the hype is real, um, but we'll see if, if the hype is real enough for him to go ahead of Kayvon. I mean, that's that's the question. I, I think there's a real chance that Kayvon is there at four, and it's like – would the character concerns be so much that the Jets would take a guy like Trayvon or Jermaine Johnson over him? That I don't know yet. Um, and Michael, if there's anything you want to add there, just just stop right. me because um, yeah, I, I agree with you. I think it's I don't think he's gonna pass either of the top two guys yet. But if those two guys go in the top four, like we expect them to, um, although although Thibodeau is we're starting to see some potential. But yeah, I think those two guys are not gonna get surpassed. But if those two guys are off the board, could Johnson? being play at four uh, i definitely think so um from at verge zero zero one what are the chances joe douglas is not chase a receiver or a number one receiver in free agency deciding to bet on more breaking out and cd returning to his norms would that be a huge mistake well michael is there a number one receiver in free agency i mean alan robinson who had a down year last year and look he was i mean dominant the two his entire career before that so you know maybe it's an outlier maybe he's you know to, you know, getting past his prime. I mean, that is around the age where Des Bryant started to fall off. He's never really been a, a burner. Um, so you, that is something to consider. I don't, I just, because of that, I don't see Joe Douglas showing out a ton of money for him, but I think they'll sniff around. But outside of Allen Robinson, it's like, who's out there? So uh, is that a big mistake? I don't, I don't, I wouldn't say huge mistake. Maybe we'll look back on it as a, as a mistake, but I, I still think there's enough out there between free agency and the draft to put the receiver spot uh, in a good position. Um, right. I mean, I think, like you said, there's just that option isn't really there anymore um, with the guys who've been tagged, traded, suspended. So it's, you know, Allen Robinson is easily the highest ceiling player available. We know he can be that, you know, the prototype number one guy, but last year he wasn't anything close to that. So uh, we're, we're going to have to see, is that going to go down as an outlier? He's still got more left. Or is this him just hitting the wall? You know, he's going to be uh, 29 this year. So it's, you know, it's around that age where guys start to fall off a little bit. So we'll see. Um, but he's really the only guy that might classify as that. Other than that, I don't see who you're getting who checks that box. So like we said earlier, I think um, the best path is get the best guy you can. There's some solid players out there, um, you know, Michael Gallup, although it seems like he's going back to Dallas, um, but DJ Chark, Russell Gage, Christian Kirk, um, get a solid guy, make the unit better, and keep it just as high in your draft board as it was before. I will say, the other thing is, I mean, I saw that report about Christian Kirk today where it's like he wants upwards of $15 million. Yeah. That is the consequence of the uh, – I mean, the receiver market is pretty thin, and I think, I think a lot of teams will look towards the draft. Um, so maybe you will see – more first round receivers than some were expecting, but a guy like Christian Kirk or a guy like DJ shark or hell, even a Russell gauge is going to get paid. Um, so keep that in mind when the jets, maybe let some of those guys go by. It's like, when you see some of those contracts come out, uh, that might change your mind. But like you said, Michael, every team is in a worse cap situation. So maybe the contracts go down with it. Maybe we'll see uh, more one year contracts like we did in 2020 because not, not specifically for the jets, but just year round because the cap is, is in a bad spot. Uh, maybe it's the opposite. Maybe they try to, you know, send the money down the road. Who knows? But it is going to be something interesting to watch. Uh, last repetitive question. 
um, from at C pizza, ah, fuck that. It's a CP, whatever C pizza. I, I sorry. I'm sorry, man. You, you have to have a name I can phonetically say. I mean, it's, I'm sorry. Uh, what's the chances we sign Barrio. So at that, so Krista underscore can start tweeting about someone else. <laughs> okay. It was a funny tweet. Uh, it's at C pizza. I see pizza. I a, it wasn't as hard. Iowa. I a for Iowa. It's just, pizza. Iowa been a long day, Michael. The, the letters got all blended together. I didn't know what I was looking at. Um, but what are the chances we sign Barrios? What, what would you put that at? Like 30? 50, 50? Is that a little high, you think? I think 40%. That's my gut feeling. It's not necessarily the likelihood of it. I just, what do you... I think I it comes down to how much, how likely you think it is they sign other wide receivers because if they don't sign anybody else i think they're absolutely gonna prioritize barrios first and foremost but if they do like some of those other guys i think they'll good point. do that first and then barrios kind of like we said it's like how much do you want to spend with three other wide receivers ahead of him and potentially a draft pick so yeah i think does, it's, does, it's i think it's that's what it is are you going to sign gage kirk whoever or barrios it's like does the market thinning down make the Jets more likely to sign Barrios because they have nobody else and they're going to try to pivot to him? Or does it make it less likely because everybody else is going to be, maybe Barrios will get a higher contract from somebody else because, you know, the, the market is kind of thin at free or at receiver. Um, who knows? All right. Those are the last of our, a bit of a repeats questions. Um, let's get, uh, see now I've messed it all up. I screwed, I scrolled all the way down. There we go. The guard question I was referring to earlier, Michael from at big dogs, 13, 18. Do you think the jets will send a guard to a bigger contract than most people think? And do you think they will go after one of the big ticket free agents here in Armstead Williamson, Robinson, Jenna Jones, or will they sign younger guys to cheaper contracts? We've answered the big ticket stuff. I think, I don't think you're going to see, you might see one like the Bengals last year with, with uh, Trey Hendrickson and then a few starters. I think you're going to see quantity, not necessarily over quality, but you're going to see quantity signings this year. Um, and those guys can be starters and good players too. Um, but as far as the guards, and this is actually where I think the Jets are really going to get um, a good starting player here. Michael, I mean, I think uh, you and I both agree that the Jets should and probably will send a guard to a contract. I think that contract, yeah, probably will. I don't know about bigger than people who are expecting, but it doubled probably $10 million, $11 million contract. Um, my question to you, though, Michael, relating to the, to what Michael said, Michael Christopher, not you, Michael Nania, um, is how would you rank these guards? Because it's actually, in my eyes, it's the deepest and best position in free agency right now. Because not only do you have James Daniels, um, not only do you have a guy like Austin Corbett or Connor Williams or Lakin Thomas. I mean, there are a lot. Of, you, you could pivot if, if all else fails. You could re-sign LDT. Um, there's a lot of great guards out there, and not just guards, interior offensive linemen as a whole, but specifically at right guard, where would you rank um, your preference at that spot? Since it's very clear that you, you and I both want to sign one. Well, this actually brings me back to a guy who I forgot to mention in that previous question about um, which signings I would not want to see all over the place. Um, damn it. But, Brand, <laughs> but Brandon Scherf, I think, I think he is going to get the biggest contract and he's a talented player. He's really good, but um he's just so consistently injured that he's hard to trust. It's not even like he had one big injury where he missed a bunch of games. He's just constantly multiple injury stints per year, six missed games this year, three the year before that, five the year before that, eight the year before that. It's just impossible to rely on. You're paying for 60% of a season and 40% 
60% Scherf and 40% backup. That's what you're paying for. All right, so sign LDT so, and Scherf is what I'm hearing. Yeah, exactly. Um, but, yeah, I, I Scherf's a good player, but the injuries are too much, especially he's going to be uh, 31 in December. So, so I wouldn't they, be a big if, fan of that. If they sign him, you'll be you'll be upset? I, I, I think I would. Just because of the injuries, it's so, so hard to rely on. So just for everybody keeping track at home, if the Jets sign Matthew – uh, what was the second? Why am I Barrios? Bar- yeah, it was Barrios. If it's Matthew, Barrios or Scherf, and Barrios, I guess it's money dependent, maybe. I mean, every player is money dependent, right? I guess sign Matthew for one million. I'll, <laughs> okay. I'll sign up all, right. all day. Matthew, Matthew, Barrios, or Scherf. I, if, if we got on this podcast next week and and Michael is is talking up how great Joe Douglas is and they've signed <laughs> one of those three players, you can call Michael a hypocrite. Um, but how would you rank go right guys? ahead? Go right ahead. I, I, I will absolutely, you know. I'm not going to walk back on it. You'll, oh, yeah, you'll take it on the I'll chin. criticize it. I, I will try to find the optimism because that's what I do, but I will acknowledge the criticisms. Um, but ranking the guards, I think um, I have a, a first tier that includes two guys. I mentioned it earlier, but um, Lakin Thompson and James Daniels, I think that's your top tier. Um, Daniels is, I think, five years younger than Tomlinson, so different in age, but they both offer, I think, a lot of the things you want. They're solid pass protectors, great zone blockers. Thompson obviously has experience with the floor in the scheme. Um, I think both those guys are really good guards. Thompson, the question is, he's a left guard, so he'd have to move over. Daniels is a right guard, but both guys are, I think, legitimately solid players and good scheme fits. Um, Beyond that, though, I think there are two other interesting options, Austin Corbett and Connor Williams. Corbett is... I. I think he's a tier below because of his pass protection, but he does have the run game scheme fit, decent, uh, good run blocker. Um, he's not a very good pass blocker, though, so I'd, I'd be question, uh, questioning that one. Um, but Connor Williams is an underrated guy to me. Um, nobody seems to like him, and for good reason. He had 15 penalties last year, which is obviously terrible. All right, I'm out. And um, listen, I'm gonna <laughs> I'm going to make my case for Connor Williams. Um, but other than that, he has, like – legitimately elite numbers he gave up the third lowest pressure rate among guards last year because <laughs> he's tackling it guys to the ground every play i mean if if that's the <laughs> argument you want to make but i i i'm signing up for that regardless of how many penalties he commits one penalty a game and dominates the rest of it i'll i'll take that and his run blocking is also very good and his own scheme fit so i think he's an underrated target in spite of the penalties that get everyone's attention but yeah i think tomlinson and daniels is where you want to focus at guard um then corbett williams there are also options uh, andrew norwell veteran guy is still a decent player he's maybe in that mix um but tomlinson and daniels are fantastic options i think i think i definitely think the jets are going to sign one of these uh one of these guards we talked about tomlinson with the Mike McDaniel connection and Miami having the most cap space. And obviously, I mean, Miami versus New York is going to win most of the time because it's like no state income tax, great weather, whatever, blah, blah, blah. I think Tomlinson might end up in Miami. So I don't want to get my hopes up about him, but I agree with you. I love, I love him. I think the jets just need to get a lot more physical up front. I think that's part of the reason they'd be moving on from LDT is they just need to be meaner. Our next question is going to be talking about one of the meanest offensive linemen in the league. Um, I like Daniels a lot. I think I would be so much more in on Connor Williams. Like you're saying, if uh, there's nothing I hate more than a holding penalty, bringing back a touchdown or a big. And also one more thing. It was an outlier for him before this year. He was 
very normal with penalties and also pretty much every Cowboys player to career high in penalties. I don't know why or what that was about, but he wasn't alone with it. So, so, all right, so maybe it was... I, I'm, I'm kind of in on Connor Williams. All right. I, I could get in on it too. I, I, I agree with what you're saying on the, the analytics. I just don't, I don't love offensive linemen who are highly penalized. And that is one of the things that we saw Joe Douglas really prioritize his first off season when he was building the offensive lineman. I think right, every yeah. offensive lineman he brought in had like little to no penalties. Um, so I don't know, but if, if they believe they can, they're watching the film on Connor Williams and they think they can iron some of that stuff out and you get the good without the bad, then absolutely. But I think James Daniels is the top target. He's only 24, good fit in the system, great run blocker. He's a meanie. Um, so I like, I like James Daniels the most. I don't know if he gets out of Chicago though. So if not, then you need to pivot to Tomlinson. Tomlinson, I kind of feel, I just feel like he's going to go to Miami with that McDaniel connection. And so then you're looking at, you know, Corbett, Connor Williams, um, so who knows? But one of those guys is going to be a Jet. I I I would be upset if not. Uh, the other position on the offensive line that I do think the Jets will make an upgrade at um, is center. Do you do you agree with me there, Michael? Because uh, this question from Matt Jack mm-hmm. n- underscore Nadu too. He says he says did McGovern do enough to prevent the possibility of a Jensen signing? Uh, he has a he has a follow up question that's not related. We'll come back to that in a second, uh, Jack. But uh, do you think McGovern did enough to, to prevent Jensen? Because it seems like if you read what, what the B reporters are saying, they're saying, oh, the Jets like McGovern, and that's been their company line. But And he was certainly better last year than the year before. But I feel like they can really do better there. I feel like if you have a great center in this offense, it would really open up things um, and help out this quarterback. But what are your thoughts on, on McGovern? And then we can, we can talk about the centers. I'm a McGovern fan. I'm I'm okay with him standing there or staying at that position, mostly because I just don't see uh, a surefire upgrade. I mean, Jensen is, but I don't think he's gonna come here just because he's a veteran. Probably. I mean, he could hey, want to cash in if they. He has won a Super Bowl. If they, if the Jets really want to cash in on him, I guess it's a possibility. Um, but I, I just think he's an awesome fit in this run scheme. He makes so many great hook blocks where he just fires off the ball gets around the three tech and seals them backside. It's just like McGovern. Yeah, McGovern. Yeah. Um, and there's just not a lot of centers who can make that play. Like I watched Jonathan Harrison, Spencer Long just lumber around. Right. Well that pulled over <laughs> for two years. Not that you want to compare to those guys. That's but, like <laughs> but that's I mean, like comparing my basketball skills to like, you know, Damian Lillard or something. It's like all right, that's all right. that's a big but, difference. <laughs> even to average guys, forget about that. He does have really good athleticism. He's a good fit. And this year, his like I've talked about this a lot, but I think his one-on-one pass blocking is good. It's just the mental stuff, you know, blitz pickups, stunts, and things like that. And he was a little bit better this year. It's still an issue though. Um, so that's kind of the limitation with him. But I think he really fits what they're trying to do, and it seems like he's a solid culture guy and they like him. So um, I, I, the only thing I would do is if you can sign Jensen, I like moving McGovern to guard because you can get all that physical stuff and take away the sort of the mental responsibilities that come with center. I mean, you still have to pick up blitzes and stunts, but there obviously is less mental workload at guard than center. So I would like that possibility. But um, other than if they can somehow get Jensen, who obviously is really good and an enforcer, um, I think, McGovern has earned the right to stay put. Uh, there's another Jensen question from at iPod Ahmad, and he said pros and cons of signing Ryan Jensen. I want that the answer to that question, but also um, another center from Baltimore who's been flying under the radar. You're not as high on. Uh, I, 
Uh, there was a, an analytical tweet th- this week that had him as the, the highest rated center. Um, and that's Bozeman from Baltimore. Um, so pros and cons, we'll start with Jensen, who seems to be the um, the favorite at center for most Jets fans. But then Bozeman got the Baltimore Joe Douglas connection. He's still fairly young. He had a great season last year. His analytics are great. Um, there are some issues, though, that you pointed out to me. So pros and cons of each center. Um because the way you're talking about it, maybe maybe I'm wrong. Maybe they don't make an, an upgraded center and they just roll with McGovern. I mean, I guess the main concern with Jensen is his age. He's going to be 31, but he's still really good. He hasn't missed a game since 2016. So, I mean, Jensen would be a good pickup, I think. As, as much as I like McGovern, I think if you can get Jensen, if, if he's open to it and you are willing to make that offer, whatever it takes, um, I think I'd be on board for it. Um, especially because you can, you can obviously, you know, I like the idea of moving to guard, but even if you don't do that, you can cut him, save 9 million and, you know, essentially get Jensen for only, you know, the net between what he costs first, uh, McGovern. So, uh, so yeah, I don't, I don't see a ton of concerns with him besides the, besides the age. Uh, and then with Bozeman, um, it seems like he's a really good player, but it, I'm not sure, you know, we, it seems like with every single offensive offensive lineman's like, zone fit, zone fit, zone fit, every single guy. But Bozeman, I think, is one guy you can actually say who's not really scheme fit because, you know, Baltimore does run uh, a lot of gap stuff. And then you look at um, Bozeman's athleticism numbers, they're pretty bad. Obviously, he's overcome it to still be a pretty good player, but um, athleticism is important in the scheme, and he has um, pretty bad numbers in terms of every single combine drill. So, um, I, he seems like more of a power downhill sort of guy, not really the center that they want, but uh, it, it, there definitely have been exceptions to the rule. Not like, like Lakin Tomlinson, for example, he has very bad, not very bad, but below average uh, combine numbers. And he's been great in his own scheme. So it doesn't always have to, you know, be as black and white as that, but uh, it doesn't seem like Bozeman's the best fit. Yeah. I, I, I hear what you're saying there. Um, I think Jensen is, probably who I prefer. I mean, I could go either way. I think Jensen is probably the better player, but uh, especially with, when you factor in the scheme and what he's going to bring also on the field in terms, if you want to talk about building a bully up front, I mean, that's the biggest bully in the league. Um, I was going to make a Richie incognito joke. We'll pass on that. Um, <laughs> but no, I mean, it seems like every game that the Jets play against Ryan Jensen, he's picking a fight. Um, every game that Ryan Jensen is in, it seems like he's picking a fight. And I like that in my offensive lineman. And I think the jets were soft up front. And it's one thing I understand that they're running this outside zone scheme and they're going to value the agile guys, the finesse guys, but the jets got punched in the mouth plenty of times, uh, in the trenches. And I just don't think they, that's not the team that Joe Douglas is trying to build. And so he wants guys who are, you know, he wants a bully. And I think Ryan Jensen's a bully. And I think that's what attracts me about him. And, and the same goes with Bozeman too. Obviously the athleticism numbers, like you said, aren't there. Maybe he's a questionable scheme fit, but again, he brings some physicality to this Jets interior offensive line. And, and I think that's just something that they lack a little bit with, with McGovern and, and LDT. I think ABT has the nastiness and the athleticism, which makes him so perfect in this offense. Um, but I'd like I'd like to pair a, a meaner center next time uh, than than McGovern, but that's just my my preference. Um, Jack underscore to do too. He also asked, and this is a, a nice transition. He said, also, what kind of contract would you give DJ Jones? I think that really comes down to what they do with Rankins, because if they keep Rankins, I don't know if they sign DJ Jones. 
maybe, but uh, in my opinion, it's like they either keep rankings at 6 million or five and a half or whatever it is. And you draft a defensive lineman and, a, and another interior defensive lineman and a great defensive line class. You also have Jonathan Marshall or you cut Sheldon Rankins. You sign DJ Jones to replace fully fought as your run stuffing defensive tackle. And then you draft a pass rushing defensive tackle. And there are plenty of those guys that we saw even just at the senior bowl. Um, so Michael, what do you think about DJ Jones about bringing him in? What do you think he's going to cost? And then how do you think the jets uh, move their interior defensive linemen around, especially considering how deep Sala wants this rotation? Yeah. DJ Jones is my guy. Obviously I've kind of tweeted about him a lot. I think he's, he's an amazing fit. Probably of any free agent at any position, at least the ones that I've analyzed. Um, I don't think anyone fits as seamlessly as he does. He pretty much does or was used exactly the same way that they wanted to use Fadakasi this year. A little bit of nose tackle, but mostly operating at um, over the guard, three tech, two eye, two tech. Um, and, you know, because that's where you need the run defense to come from in this scheme. There's really no, you know, every down or frequent nose tackle in this four, three defense. You know, the, the run stuffing has to come from more over towards the B gap. And that's what DJ Jones did really well. You know, you'll see him listed as, a nose tackle because he stops the run, but he almost never plays that only about 10% of the time. Uh, that's what they try to do with Fadokasi. They really sliced his nose tackle usage and he, he was still pretty good, but not quite as dominant. Whereas DJ Jones in that same role, you know, a little bit smaller guy, better mover, um, plays the exact same role experienced in the scheme and has shown that he can dominate in that role as a run stuffer. So I think that's the type of guy they need someone who could, make plays against the run, but, you know, in this way, in a four, three scheme, attacking, shooting gaps, not necessarily in a space eating source of way, uh, sort of way like Fadokasi does. So I think Jones is an amazing fit and I'd love to get him, but look, the guy's a good player. He's going to get paid. Um, you know, if Fadokasi is going to get overpaid, you know, too, too high for you to retain, he gets eight, nine, 10 million, whatever. DJ Jones is probably going to get that too. So like you said, if they don't cut Rankins, that's going to be a bit much to commit to your D-line, um, what Jones is probably going to get. But if they do cut Rankins, uh, I think they definitely have the flexibility to make that move. So um, I like him quite a bit. And if they cut Rankins, I would uh, be all over that. I know I know Rankins has some name recognition, um, and he had a few flashy sacks. But like you, you pointed out, he was a lot worse than people realize he was. Um I, I think I think they cut him and I think they try to go after DJ Jones. I think they only cut Rankins if they get a guy like DJ Jones. Otherwise, they're gonna keep Rankins. I mean, when you look at the usage for defensive linemen, you know, their fourth string defensive tackle is gonna play consistent snaps. So it's like even if Sheldon Rankins didn't necessarily live up to the five and a half million you gave him last year, um, on third downs, on passing situations, he can rush the passer for you. But I would much rather, especially with Fadakasi walking on an already horrible run defense. Um, I'd cut Rankins, bring in DJ Jones, and then go ahead and draft that pass rushing defensive tackle. Why not? Um, from at Jets fan and CLT, uh, off ball linebackers seem to fall in the draft. Another draft question. Come on. Uh, off ball linebackers seem to fall in the draft most years. Can you envision the concerns over Dean's height or Lloyd's age uh, to cause one of them to drop in 35? Can I envision it? Absolutely. Do I think it will happen? Probably not, but it happens every year. Like I brought up trailing Burks a few minutes ago. 
it's another guy I could see falling at 35. And if I, you said that to me two months ago, I thought you were, I would have thought you were crazy, but it's like, he didn't blow up the combine. Like people thought he would and people overthink it. And, you know, and there's a deep receiver class and whatever. And all of a sudden 35 rolls around and there's a guy you thought would never be there. will be there. I guarantee you that will happen. I guarantee you the jets will be on the clock at 35 or, you know, I'll put it this way. I'll guarantee you at the start of, of day two, there will be people at least one in particular that will, that fans will say, there's no way he should still be available. We have to trade up and get him or whatever. It's like, it happens every year. We, Michael and I were talking about this a few months ago on the podcast. It's like, go look at the the first 10 picks of the second round or well, the first five picks of the second round. They're almost always better than the, the last five picks of the first round. Um, second round, you get a lot of talent in, and it's like guys like that fall. Like if a guy like N'Kobe Dean is there at 35, it's going to be hard to pass on him. I mean, it depends what they do at linebacker. Uh, I guess to turn it into a bit of a linebacker question, do you think they go and spend a linebacker in free agency? DJ Bienemy, when we had him on a few weeks ago, he was saying that they don't they don't see linebacker as as big of a need because they like Quincy Williams. They also they have Sherwood Nazarene still. They could you know draft a linebacker and develop him. But it's like you got two guys out there in Foya Luakon and Devondre Campbell who both have experience with Ulbrich. Um, I'm spacing exactly. Was it Mike Garofalo? Somebody had a, a, a video. I, I apologize, but somebody had a video this week um, that was talking about how you know, Obrick was in this, you know, was there when they drafted a Khan and was talking about how much he loved him and how versatile he is. And, you know, he very much had his hand in that pot of, of picking a Khan. So there's connections there and there's a few other good guys and an obvious need. Do you think uh, that the Jets go after linebacker in free agency or do they wait to the draft and then maybe they get lucky with a guy like N'Kobe Dean falling? I, I don't. And this is similar to Rankins where if I were in charge, I would definitely – um, be prioritizing linebacker a little bit more because I think they can upgrade there. Uh, and it's a super important position, their defense. But um, personally, I would upgrade it. I don't, I just haven't seen any signal that suggests that they want to. Like you said, DJ told us that they seem to be high on the guys that they have. They just spent two developmental picks on it last year. And not that, you know, two day three picks prevent you from doing anything. But it doesn't, <laughs> if that were safeties nonetheless. Exactly. But it does seem like that they're committed. And we talked about this earlier, how uh, they're committed to like drafting for the coaching staff, letting them work with this talent. Um, so it, it, it just doesn't seem like that they're going to uh, prioritize it. But you mentioned a uh Devondre Campbell, another guy, the over connection on the market. So there are uh, connections. So they're not getting Bobby Wagner. I was going to say him, but, um, but yeah, there are other two uh falcons connections there but i i don't think so and then same thing with rankins like i would cut him because i don't think he was very good last year but uh just because of the the locker room impact um and i think rankins is the type of player they want in that role he just didn't play well last year um so those are two things that i would do but i don't see much indication that they will how do you, do you how much did they pay uh davis last year was it seven and a half I believe it was, I see that number, but wasn't it five and a half? Like, was I remember when they the cap it? I remember the announcement was seven and a half. Cause I remember people being like, oh, they overpaid for him. But maybe that was, maybe it was only five and a half guaranteed or maybe seven and a half was with incentives or something. I don't know. But the, the reason I bring that up is because I think part of the reason you might have the feeling that they don't want to spend at linebackers because they're already committing so much money to CJ Mosley, whose cap it is even higher. I think this year, I think it's like 19 million this year. I think this is the highest year. If I'm not mistaken. It could have been last year. Um, regardless, it's, it's 18, 19 it's around there. It's a, it's a high number. And so it's a 
quote unquote non-premium position? Do they want to go and fork over close to $10 million for a guy like Devondre Campbell? Maybe not, but I will say this. I actually do think they, they make a move here because it's like they gave Gerard Davis, uh, we'll say seven and a half for now, but a little less than that, potentially. They gave Gerard Davis or Jared Davis uh, money last year. I think they'll do something similar this year. I don't know if they go for Devondre Campbell. I really like him. And I think when you saw how much linebacker affected this defense, particularly in the run game, how awful it was. And in the past, I mean, the, the, all phases, the linebacker play was awful this year outside of Mosley and a few Quincy Williams flashes. Um, I do think it's a big need. I think Campbell fits with them. Um, I think, I don't think they go Campbell. I, Aluakon kind of reminds me of Quincy Williams in a sense. I think that's the type of player they're hoping Quincy can be. So it's a bit redundant. The guy I think they go after Landon Collins. What do you think about that? Who had a great year last year. He's only getting cut because of the contract reasons. They asked him to take two different pay cuts, accepted the first one, didn't want to accept the second one. They were in the Keanu Neal sweepstakes last year. Obviously they drafted two guys who were safeties, converted linebackers. Landon Collins played a lot of linebacker last year. He had a great year. I think he's, I think he's the type of guy that they'll sign. I, I wouldn't be shocked if they go after Devondre Campbell or a, a Luacon. In fact, I'd be pretty hyped if they, if they went and signed a Devondre Campbell, because I do think him and Mosley next to each other would raise the level of this defense tremendously. But if they don't want to go that path, I still think they go and sniff around a guy like Landon Collins or, you know, the other guys in the market. I do think they move, make a move here next week. Um, but what do you think about Landon Collins who got uh, released a few days ago? Yeah, I like that. I think it's sort of outside the box thinking that they've sort of shown at linebacker, those picks they made last year. Um, so I, I could absolutely see that being considered. Um, it, it does seem like uh, Collins has been a miscast linebacker for quite some time now. He, he usually, I mean, he basically does already play it, not to a full-time extent, but he lines up in the box more than any other safety. And he does do well like i mean he gets criticized because he's bad in coverage and he is very bad in coverage for safety but um but his run stopping and his tackling and all that you know linebacker skills and his cover definitely there yeah like it, it, it's a lot different so he could transfer well so i can see them considering that and you mentioned keanu neal he's a free agent as well yeah so uh that's in play uh so i could absolutely see um one of those safety type linebacker moves yeah, I think it doesn't even to me have to be one of those safety types because they have Hamza and Jane. I, I just think they're going to make a, a move at linebacker and free agency is what I think it is. And I like Landon Collins and we'll see. Um, all right. From Yosimar underscore Boyce, he says, what are each of your guys top three free agent targets as free agency opens up? I pause if I butchered your name. Uh, it's been a long day. Uh, top three free agent targets. Free agency opens up. Um. I'm trying to think of my exact. I know I there's plenty of names coming through my head. I'm just trying to think of the top three in particular. Okay. Michael, do you have I, I think three? I have a few. I can. Well, I have so a few. Guess, I'm trying to narrow it down to three. Yeah, I, I think I can okay. list the top three. Okay, so DJ Jones, he's my guy. Yeah. I would Agreed. love to get DJ Jones. Um, Quandre Diggs, I really like. And again, I'm not listing the best play. Not again. I'm saying this for the first time. Um, I'm not listing the best players right now. Just like value, scheme fit, right. like my guys. Um, so DJ Jones, Quandre Diggs, I think he's a very consistent interception producer, good coverage guy that does gives up very little. Um, sort of, sort of like a not a poor man's uh, Marcus Williams, but a slightly less than rich man's <laughs> Marcus Williams. <laughs> he's a little bit older, a little bit less productive, but another really good option. Um, so DJ Jones, 
Quandre Diggs. Um, I'm going to look to tight end. I'm going to go with Max Williams. I think he's uh, one of the best blocking tight ends in the league. And he also is not a high volume receiver, but he has really good numbers at breaking tackles, low drops, things like that. So he's got some upside. Are, are you concerned um, so with I the like injuries? those three guys? Are you concerned with the injuries with Max Williams? Because that's kind of my big yeah, him. Yeah, it's definitely it's, a concern. But I mean, he's been um, injured like every season, including this last year where he was on pace to have a great year. And then he, uh, what did he tear his ACL? Yeah. So, so I mean it's definitely it's definitely a concern, but obviously you're hoping with that, you know, that he comes cheaper. Um, that's being considered. So I mean uh, I mean right. I I'll, I'll be completely honest with you. I wasn't thinking of the injuries when I said his name, but player wise, I do like him. That's fair enough, Michael. I respect the honesty. I'll try to go uh... it's ten forty five. I'm my <laughs> brain is kind of turning off already. Um I'll try to give three different names. Um, I'm trying to think not in order, not in any particular order. I'll go Hayden Hurst. He's the tight end target that I want out of all of them. He's the one that intrigues me the most because I think, uh, I think he really hasn't gotten much of his shot. I mean, he had 2020, uh, he was the starter for the Falcons and, you know, he had six touchdowns. He had a solid season and they draft Kyle Pitts. Uh, and sorry, I, I should have gone back even further. He was in Baltimore. He was, he was a fine starting tight end. They had, they drafted Mark Andrews, Mark Andrews kind of usurped him. They trade him to, um, to Atlanta for like a second round pick. He plays relatively well, but then Kyle Pitts is there. They take Pitts. Hurst still had a few touchdowns this year. I think Hurst is a, is a is exactly the type of tight end that they need. He's a good blocker, reliable receiver. He's he's only 28. I think you pair him with a guy like McBride. That's a great tight end duo. So I like I like Hayden Hurst a lot. I'll say I'll I'll say James Daniels. I was deciding which guard I wanted to say. I think because of the age, it's hard not to say James Daniels. But honestly, any one of those guards. I'll start with Daniels moving down. I'd probably look at then Tomlinson and then so on. Uh, but Daniels and then Tomlinson are, I think, tier A, like you said. And then I would say DJ Jones. I completely agree with that. That's a great free agent for the Jets. I'd be really excited about him. Uh, I'm, I'll go Ryan Jensen. I was stuck between Jensen and maybe a Devondre Campbell because it, okay. it's, it's intriguing thinking about Campbell playing next to Mosley. But it, look, if they walked out of free agency, all offense just uh, – you know, Jensen, Daniels, and Hurst. I mean, how are you not excited about that? Um, but yeah, defensively, I like DJ Jones. I'd, I'd like to get a linebacker. Devondre Campbell was an all pro last year. It's hard not to like him. As far as the safeties go, uh, I'm, I'm with you on Quandra Diggs. I like him. I, as much as I like Marcus Williams, and I was very high on signing at the beginning of the offseason, the more people have talked about him, the more that that contract keeps going up. I just, I don't see Douglas shelling out that 15 million or whatever it's going to, maybe it's not 15, maybe it's 14, whatever. I just, I don't know if I see him shelling out that big money for a safety. Michael and I were talking about this. It's, you know, bad safety play will lose you games, but great safety play doesn't really win you games. So it's like, you want good players there, but you don't necessarily need amazing players there, especially with how many holes the jets have. So I'll go that those is my top, uh, my top three targets. Um, Michael, the last question you know, again, not really, not really for agency question. This is probably more of a scouting combine question, but we were a bit inconsistent there, uh, the, you know, the month of February. So this question's coming in from Andrew Golden, friend of, or, you know, contributor to JetX and friend of the podcast. Uh, he says, who runs a faster 40? You or Michael Nania. And then he says, place your bets now, everybody. He said, he's got the over under on me at four, nine, eight. And then even more astonishingly, he has the, the over under on you at four, eight, six, which would pitch Jerry Rice ran a four, seven, one. So Nanny is right behind him. Um, we, Michael and I, we did, we did do this when you came. Yes. It was, it was, we didn't really measure it out completely. It was like, 
kind of eyeballed it, did it with their feet or whatever. It's like, all right, that's about 40 feet. We timed it. I don't remember the exact times. I know I won. Um, but I think, I think it's time, Mike, we've been talking about this for like two years now. We need a full JetX combine, um, this summer. We have to do it next. The next time I see you in person, Michael, we really got to run the gauntlet, uh, officially, you know, the 40 yard, yeah. you, you think you do good in three cone is, is what I've heard. You are talking a pretty big game on the three cone. I think my lateral quickness is my best attribute from all the kickboxing. So it's like, I kind of feel like I beat you there, but maybe, maybe you would have me there uh, from, from your, uh, from your flag football and, and basketball days. Yeah, so I mean, we did do this uh, up in Cuse when I visited last year, and you did get the win uh, quite comfortably too, I believe. Um, so of course, I'll give you credit. I think this is this has been asked before. I think in these questions, something like this with the forty time, and I feel like my athleticism always gets overrated, and yours always gets underrated. Um, yeah, look, I, I I think I'm a average athlete, but I got to put more work into it. But you, I don't think the people appreciate. Um, some of your athletic background and abilities um, with kickboxing and everything you are a superhuman athlete in addition in addition to being a superhuman podcast host so I think more people need to appreciate that it's me DK Metcalf Aaron Donald I mean that's the type of of tier of athlete that I'm in Michael Michael's more of like I don't know, Robbie Anderson. Who's that guy that ran the 606? Oh, yeah, well, we, we were watching. <laughs> That's the, the classic. It was like Isaiah Williams or something. I forget his, his exact name. We were watching the slowest 40 yard dash times, which is a great watch if anybody wants to um, to check it out. And, I think, and we were talking about this. It's like, I don't think enough people realize, like, even if you watch that one, like, whatever, I forget what his name is, but he did a 606 and it looks, you know, comical compared to the rest of the guys who run at the 40. But even that, like, I think there are a lot of average people who couldn't do it. Like yeah. you don't realize how athletic these guys are. Rich Eisen is a perfectly, he seems like the most average build and, you know, fit that there could be. Yeah, he and works he's, out, he's but he's not like six, like yeah. 6.0. So it's, it's not easy to do. Um, so I, I would hope to get, I think my goal would be like five, two, five, three. I would hope to get under that. I think, Right. Uh, I don't know. I, I think you're right. I think low fives is a, is a nice place to aim. I think I could maybe break five, um, but I don't want to, I mean, like you said, it's, it's, it, it is, it is crazy how the, the, uh, the standard gets skewed a little bit because these guys are superhumans. And then you see like a random, you know, you're a regular guy like Rich Eisen run it and you think he's, you know, comically slow, but it's like, no, Rich Eisen is actually in fairly good shape. I mean, he does, he does run a little bit. Um, but that, yeah, that one, that one, that one 40 yard dash time is pretty amazing. Um, all right, Michael, I think, I think we've, we've wrapped it up here. I mean, um, we will have more podcasts this week as the free agents news trickles in as far as the exact schedule. I, honestly, if, if they make a big move, we'll do on Monday night. If they don't really do anything, then we'll probably go to well, Tuesday night. So at the very latest Tuesday night will be the next podcast earliest will be Monday night. This is going to come out Sunday morning. Um, maybe we'll have one Monday and Tuesday, depending on what they do. We'll, we'll figure out the schedule this week as it goes. Um, just trying to, you know, bring podcasts when the news um, comes. Um, but you can't expect to hear from us next week. Uh, we thank you for everybody submitting uh, mailbag questions. Apologies to those who have butchered their names. Um, you know, I, I can't be held accountable for that, especially the ones that aren't easy to say. Um, like the ones that just don't, you can't say phonetically. It's like, am I just supposed to read out the letters? I don't know. Um, but I apologize for that. You can follow us at CYJ Pod. See how that, I mean, I guess that is, I'm a bit of a hypocrite because you couldn't say, Pod, you have to say CYJ Pod. So I'm sorry. I'm sorry to uh, who was that? Who really screwed me up here? It was somebody in here. I forget. Oh, it was J- pizza. The pizza. Yeah, it was one. like pizza. Something. I might have deleted it um, when we were moving down. Sorry. 
pizza guy. Forgot. Sorry about that. But at CYJ Pod on Twitter, follow us there. Michael underscore Nania, Ben W. Ben w. Blessington. Um, go to jetsxfactor.com for the best place to go for Jets content. Um, feel like I'm forgetting something. Whatever. Michael, any last thoughts? Um, no, I don't think so. We got to do a JetX combine at some point. With I think I- very rigid uh, timing and measurements and everything because yes. we need the official numbers the hand the hand size is really what it's going to come down to i i actually i that, it's funny you mentioned that because i act with all the numbers i wanted to measure mine uh i do have a ruler on my desk here so apparently <laughs> I, I forget what my number was so actually i'm going to pull it out right now um and so i had to look it up apparently they measure from like you your send your hand thumb. it's from like the end of your thumb to the end of your pinky finger yes. So I'm gonna go ahead and do this right now. Okay. Hopefully I have bigger hands than Kenny Pickett. Actually, I know it. Have you, I just did you see what the number was? It was eight and a half. Okay. Saw, so I'm I... at about uh, nine. Oh. Nine and a half. Nine. And wow. Half. Nine and a half. Well, that would that would actually put you fairly because I think Burrow had nine and people were kind of skeptical about that, but then nine and a half is like that's a good quarterback hand size. Pretty solid. I don't have a ruler nearby. I'm not a freak like you, Michael. So I'd have to measure that another time. Um, but yeah, uh, did you see that one photo of Kenny Pickett where he had the, I was looking at just, I think it was Rich Eisen's podcast. I would, wow. Rich Eisen getting a bunch of shout outs. Actually, I think Ryan Leaf was hosting the Rich Eisen podcast and they were talking about Kenny Pickett's hands and they put up a photo of him holding the football and Ryan Leaf thought it was Photoshopped and I did too. I mean, it, it is, it is kind of questionable. <laughs> I mean, it, I mean, eight and a half is, I don't know. I mean, I get it, but he did play in Pittsburgh. So it's not like, I mean, unless he's, I don't know. I don't know. I guess the hand size stuff is overrated. Joe Burrow's done just fine. But um yeah. I, I think that is concerning. Like even Joe Burrow's like what? He was like 925 or something like that. Yeah, it was something so. like that. Eight and a half. Yeah, I'll I'll retweet the photo that I saw. I, it was like comical. Like it looked like he had like little tiny baby hands. Um, but who knows? Maybe he'll he'll prove everybody wrong. I do say I will say last thought on this. Actually, fuck it, I already I already teased it. I think I think Malik Willis uh to goes top three. I don't know why. I just have that feeling. I have a feeling he goes top three. Do you, do you agree with that, Michael? And because of that, I think a good edge rusher will fall to the Jets. That's why I feel. I think Pickett will fall, but I think Willis is going to be the first quarterback taken, and I think he's going to go a lot higher than everybody thinks he will, especially after all the quarterback dust settles from the Rodgers, Wilson, Tri- whatever. Somebody's going to move up, or, or the Lions take them themselves at two, and they're going to take Malik Willis. Thoughts? Uh, I, think, I think it's possible. I really feel like that uh, – the two edge rushers are going to end up going. I think, uh, I think Hutchinson is going to go number one. I really do. Um, well, but then I, they, they just, they just franchise tagged Cam Robinson. The Jaguars did. So it kind of makes it a little less likely that they'd go tackle. Right, so I, I, yeah. I think tackle is not quite as uh, much of a lock for Jacksonville. Still possible, but um, uh, yeah, I, 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 but I do think Willis is probably going to sneak up there just because quarterback always finds its way. Even when they say it's a bad class, it always finds its way into the mix because it's just that important. All right, Michael. I think it's time for us to get out of here. We will be back. Uh, well, either that or we're just trying to make up a way for Kayvon to get to the Jets. Yes. Kayvon or Hutchinson, one of those guys. Regard, I think the Jets are walking out of this draft with a good edge rusher. So. Um, but that's that's draft talk, Michael. We got a whole nother month for that. This is free agency talk. Um, don't try to fire the GM. 20 minutes into free agency give it some time give it 40 um, minutes 45 
I would say give them, <laughs> give them the first day. I think the first day you just because it's not technically they're not even signing contracts yet. So you give them Monday, and then you get a little bit on Tuesday. If he's not doing anything by Tuesday, I'll get the especially when guys are getting signed. I'll get the uh, some of the upset uh, about him not signing guys. But I don't know. I'll be patient. I I, I think I, I like the I like I trust what the Jets are doing, and I and I think they're going to have a, a solid plan here. And that plan is going to be sign a few good players. You don't have to go splurge on one, you know, honestly overrated great player. But um, we'll see about that. Next time we talk, Michael, we'll know a lot more. So thank you to everybody for listening. Enjoy the rest of your weekend. Enjoy the start of the new league year. We'll be back later this week.